Let's bring in our next guest, our buddy, Rowdy Telez, joining us on FT Live right now. Rowdy, uh, first ever interview for Ricky Karcher. We were just showing it, and he's like, he's dropping uh, the S word. He's dropping shit on cable television. How come you didn't do that? I did. I did it with a, we had um, one of our on-field reporters um, asked me about a wedding I did in the off-season a couple years ago, and I said shit, and she like lost it, and I was like, God, oh, it's not a bad word. <laughs> Wait, but, she got upset. Sorry, you I was, said it on on camera. Yeah, yeah, she did. She didn't like it. She was like, "Hey, you said a bad word," and I was like, "Yeah, I don't care." Minnesota's right in the city too. Dude, that ball, the heart of the city. I, I can't get Wi-Fi in the heart They're of the city. Stealing it all for the Timberwolves. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. More, oh, more right next to right next to each other. More know. over here. The shirt did look. I want to know what that was. It looked like. looks Gucci. I know. That's why I was wanting to know what it looked like. <laughs> I wanted to see the whole thing. You know, I needed to see the whole thing. The Definitely not fans. Gucci. No. So that's a, that'd be too expensive of a shirt for Rowdy to buy. Trust me, he's cheap, man. I promise you. Cheap, huh? Watch him be getting back on now. Of course, our fans right away go, Rowdy, go to the laundry room. <laughs> yeah, that's where we work for There it is. The laundry room is famous for reception. <laughs> well, great, great. Rowdy's best interview by far. <laughs> oh, he nailed it. Yeah. Hey, listen here, love. You ain't talking to me about being cheap, you little fuck. You don't spend <laughs> no money on your team. Wait a minute. And Wait a minute now. We were, I was, I was, yeah, you know, fuck you. And I was late getting to the stadium because they're putting up this shitty ass statue of AJ Brzezinski in this fucked up place. So <laughs> I don't even want to hear it. I had like Can half I, a good season here and they love him. Is that I true? Are they putting up a statue? God. Have you not learned that Rowdy lies more than you do? He, he hasn't. He hasn't aged at all. I hate it. This conversation with him. He lies once. You don't want a statue up in Minnesota? I deserve one after they traded me for Joe Nathan, Francisco Liriano, and Booth. And Joe Mauer. That was so a Joe good Mauer, trade for the one. That was a good trade for the Twins. Uh, no shit. That's they why got I should put a statue got some good clubhouse guys and got rid of you. That's right. And I went to your favorite team and got to tell you to fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Fat meatball. All I wanted was an autograph. You were a little fat meatball back then, so I was like, fuck off, I'm a vegetarian. There's the shirt. Oh, that is nice. Sick shirt. I wear collared shirts to the field because I'm a professional. Get that. <laughs> where, where, does one, where does one purchase a shirt like that? Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> oh, there's not much to do there but buy a shitty shirt. <laughs> Oh, I'm crying, good. Uh, I miss you, man. Hey, listen, Rowdy, I miss you, man. I miss the trash talk more than anything. You know I enjoy yeah, you were You weren't very good at it, but, I mean, it's always fun to talk to you. Right. I usually well, you know, I usually call Low on my drives to go deer hunting, and he answers the phone, and he's usually doing something um, that, he's, that he has to say something bad about me. And, you know, but he was always my, my hero. When I got traded over here, he was hurt, and then he came over here and, didn't even introduce himself to me. He just looked at me and I said, yeah, man, we got the same haircut. Say something stupid. So we, we was close from then on and never bought me anything. Didn't take care of any of the young guys. Um, right. I mean, crusty ass hands, needed lotion. Rowdy, the Bro. difference between us is, listen, I'm eight years, eight years, nine years older than you are, but we got the same haircut, you know? I'm growing mine out. Look at that. I'm growing it back, man. You see that? Growing it back. Yeah, out. dude. You know what? It's a jungle out here, man. <laughs> it's a jungle. Well, listen, Rowdy. Listen to me, man. What's going on? What's going on, Milwaukee? Talk to me. Do I need to make a trip? 
Do I need to make a trip to Milwaukee and get you guys rolling? Again? I think, yeah, I think you do. Because we got going when you came out to Colorado last year. I think I think we need you. At least I do. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm tired of being the most veteran guy in this place. It's getting tough. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened last time, Lo? What, what happened last year? Well, you know, it was a... Um... He donated money to the fantasy football, so it was cool. Yes. You know, because, you know, I'm the reigning champ of fantasy football, so I went out for the fantasy football draft. And, you know, I had to get out there and, and you know, get the boys because they were struggling a little bit. So, we, you know, we talked. We had a, had a few drinks and relaxed, you know, being our old, old selves, talking trash to each other. And they need that. They need the trash talk day in and day out, especially Rowdy. That is what gets him going. He needs it. You hear me, AJ? Scott, they need it. Yeah, well, does yeah. he have – Rowdy, do you have, like, the soundboards in the clubhouse to be able to talk shit with? Or are you missing some of that right now? Um, you know what? I would really like AJ in there. I'm, you know, I don't say a lot of good things about AJ, but I know I heard he was really good at, at talking shit. And like, I, I really need somebody like that, that, you know, like sometimes it's okay to talk shit when, you know, I'm, I got like 19 years in the league. It's only like four and a half, but it's like 19. And <laughs> sometimes you just need that guy that, that just says something and you're just sitting there and you're like, man, I got, I can't fire nothing back. And you just sit there and you're like, God damn it. You, know, you wear it, and we don't really. Uh, there's not a lot of shit talking guys here. We got a lot, we got a really nice clubhouse. Murph, really good you got Murph. Yeah, but you never know. Like Murph's gonna. You just don't know with Murph. Sometimes he just he's in his moods. He'll put on his headphones. He'll walk around. Uh, he works. Did he get? I mean, I swear to God, he's full unit up at like nine a.m. for a seven o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you ready for some shit talking? Yeah. What do you got? What the fuck's wrong with you? Why the fuck can't you hit? Because my Twitter's getting blown up. Can you please have Rowdy on so you can get him hot? So what the fuck is going on with your hitting? And then second of all, how in the holy hell are you guys behind the Pittsburgh Pirates? Um, well, I'll answer the Pittsburgh Pirates one first. Um, see what happens when you lose some games and they win games, then they go up. I don't know if you know how baseball works, but... Uh, <laughs> No, no, it's we're just, we're in a li- we're in a little funk right now. It happens. It happens to the best of us. And then to hitting, I was watching videos on you because I was I was getting prepared to talk shit, and it just went downhill fast. I was like, you know what? Let's copy that swing, and it didn't work. And I don't know. And then I was decided to take BP like low and fillet everything over third, thinking I could steal bases, <laughs> and that didn't work. And then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna mix in a salad. Maybe I'll eat clean. My, my vibes will change, and that didn't work. So I'm just in the middle of just, you know, I might need a, a live chicken um, or something, you know. Maybe I need to watch Bull Durham. AJ, why don't you just show up out here? you you got enough money to make a flight out here. you probably fly private. They love you here in Minnesota. They do. Love me here. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you when I'm going to see you. Hold on. Let me let me look real quick, and I'll tell you when I'm going to see When I have a Brewers game. Oh, yeah, I don't. Never mind. <laughs> Only do good teams. Um... <laughs> That's why you do the White Sox. So what are you talking about? You do good teams. No, that's you know, they, they like me. Uh, let me see. I actually do have a Brewer game somewhere on do the you? schedule. Uh, well, I was supposed to have one, but they took me off of it. Uh, oh, yeah. Here we go. Uh, August 12th. I'll see you August 12th. Guess where? Chicago. Nailed it. Brewers, White Sox? Yep. Yeah, of course. Maybe you see that over if I, if I keep hitting like you, though, I might not make it to August 12th. I might be sitting at Low Kane's house <laughs> with him. Hey, hey, I don't know if you have a, I don't know if your phone doesn't have internet, but you better check those statics. 
Better check yeah, the back it's... of my baseball card. He called <laughs> me back. T Mobile, man. I got that I got that T Mobile shit. You know, it's just it's not good. You're supposed to get you're supposed to get free uh free MLB free package MLB. on T T Mobile. That's true. Yeah, hey, but that doesn't help the, with Wi Fi. Did you see the Gucci stuff we just had? No. Your shirt was part of it, I think. But all the stuff kind of looked like your shirt. Would you buy Gucci MLB stuff? They had a sleeveless no. vest, denim vest. With all no, the I don't. On. I don't wear nothing like that. I mean, I don't. I don't have that kind of money. I can't. There it is. Hell Can no. you see that? Not only no, but hell no, I wouldn't wear that. <laughs> Wait, Rowdy, Rowdy, how much do you think they're selling that for? If it's Gucci, that's that's got to be like six grand. Eight thousand two hundred dollars. You went under. Yeah, man, that's. I'm trying to keep my pockets heavy, as as my man Lo would say, and that's just yeah. not how you do it. Keep those pockets heavy, man. Don't buy that Gucci stuff. It's a waste of money. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, tell your, tell your wives that. <laughs> yeah. That's Touché. not it either. Yeah. <laughs> I had to buy. I had to buy Locaine a, a a little scooter on his last leg. You know, when he was out here because he couldn't get around. So I had to take care of my man. Get him the front row parking spot. Got to take care of the vets, man. Got to take care That's of the right vets. Got to look out for and them. You're supposed to take care of the young guys, but you didn't do nothing. I think I bought suits. I bought video game case. I bought cakes. Listen, AJ Scott, every no, birthday. No, I know you did. I would, I would buy cakes. Every, for everyone's birthday, cakes. Whoever birthday it was, I bought a cake. We enjoyed it. We ate so much shit. cake on that team. It was amazing. I enjoyed it, huh? I know. Look, that's why it turned out like this. I used to look like you when I got over there when I got traded. And the next thing I know, I'm out here looking like, I apologize. like the big show. As soon as you get done playing, we're going to put you on a diet, and we'll get you back to that playing weight. All right? That's about how it works. Maybe we get <laughs> some hair plugs, too. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hey, Rowdy. You know what it weekend. was? Yeah. I used to – used to, Lo used to sit next to me on the plane when I was playing cards, and he would sit there, and we would have to – he would tie himself into the plane. He'd put on one seatbelt, then he'd flip up the edges on the plane and put on all the other seatbelts around him. Any sort of turbulence, man, dude, he thought the plane was going down. I used to tell him all the time, we're not going to make it, man. We're going to lawn dart somewhere. And he would just he'd look at me and tell me to shut up, leave him alone. Man, he goes, you know, leave me alone, man. Leave me alone. <laughs> I to grow my crown and coat. Yeah, Poor well, guy. Roddy, you see, now he just now he just chills in Oklahoma, barely leaves the house, and he'll look behind him and be like, oh, I'm in uh, France today. Oh. Yeah. I'm in Philippines yeah. this afternoon. See? Man, the, you know damn well you ain't teaching those boys nothing. <laughs> hey, that's why they go to school, okay? And you sitting in that desk next to them trying to learn. Showing up in your, your and one shoes, your jorts, and your polo collared shirt today want to practice. Why are, you, why are you telling everybody about this, man? It's supposed man. to be between, between us, you know what I mean? Keep it between no, us. Everybody knew that. Everybody knew that. I know that you was do the that first day of baseball, cases. right? Yes, first day of baseball showed up in some jorts, basketball shoes, <laughs> and a college shirt. <laughs> they stuck but his ass at third base, and he said, no, nah, that's not for my brother. Let me go out to the outfield. Yeah, couldn't hit a lick, couldn't feel the ground ball, but I could run. Let me tell you, I could run. And they put me at third base. The ball ate me alive. So I played third base all of two weeks, and they said, hey, go to the outfield. And that's where I made my living, A.J., that's where oh, I made my list. That's true. That's true. Hey, breaking news, Rowdy. By the way, you got a new teammate. 
Rymel Tapia Ooh. signed with the Brewers. I don't know. Rymel Tapia? Yeah. I played with him in the Fall League. Speaking of guys that could run. That was one. Is he going to help? Yeah. But, you know, it's, we, need, we need some help. We probably need a new first baseman. AJ said we need a new first baseman one time. And oh, here we go again. Yeah, I, well, you're right. You know what? You know what? If I show up, that's the problem. You don't want me to show up because counts might call me in. I, I can't wear your uniform be a little big on me, but <laughs> I, I at least can show up. I'll catch it. I'll, I, I'll sneak in a hit or two every once in a while. Yeah, you'd be like me in the last 10 games. You'd have one hit and two hits. would <laughs> be perfectly fine. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be cheaper. I'll be Probably you would be too, but that's a true story. Hey, at least I told the real story. You did come to San Francisco and you did say some I, shit listen, like that. I have today. not denied that. I I've told that story. Colton Wong and I had the conversation. You guys need a first baseman? I can play. Brady's <laughs> sitting right there. You got yeah. better after that, though. See, that's how us vets do it. We tell we so you the guy that we want to hear hears it, and then they learn. Say, oh shit, there's a mirror. I better look in it, and then bam, look at you now. Yep, look at me now. Just it's gone downhill. <laughs> Raddy got some fan questions. So, uh, Sean, or new country songs. Are a lot of guys afraid of flying in MLB? Um, damn, Low, they called you out like that, huh? Wow. Low's yeah. super scared. Uh, I'd say there's one or two on every team that – there's definitely one that does not like flying, like absolutely hates it. And then there's one that's like – like the undercover dude that doesn't want to say because he doesn't want to get worn out about it. But I would say there's one or two guys on every team that don't like flying. Do you have one on your current team? Yeah. Would you like to you know who, reveal them? I don't care. I mean, it, Wade Wade Miley doesn't like flying. He's kind of like low, just likes to sit there and and not really move and just hang out, relax, watch a show. Um but turbulence, you know, turbulence is never fun. Kind of feel helpless when you're in the air. But, yeah, turbulence, is he doesn't like it. It's pretty funny, too, because a lot of guys start screaming and stuff. And <laughs> just makes it way worse. Uh, I got one from Ronnie. If there was one team besides the Brewers, what team would you want to play for? Um, Just proximity to home, probably the Rangers. Mm-hmm. No state income tax, too. True. Not, Not the Giants? Time. The home? The... No. 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> With Holbeck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that was your team growing up. That was. Doesn't mean I want to go out there. <laughs> I, like I, can, I mean, I like three, three or four days in that city is enough for me. <laughs> hey, what, did you hear about what's going down in the Bay Area tonight? The reverse protest? At the Oakland game, the fans are all showing up. It's actually going to be busy there. And they they bought sell shirts. So people donated thousands of dollars so that they're handing out to every fan that walks in a shirt that just says sell because the owner treats everyone like shit. No, I, I don't have social media, so I don't, I don't hear much about a lot of stuff. But that's kind of funny because I guarantee you they won't have the security to do that. Like, it's going to be a mass chaos there. <laughs> Did you see one? What was it? Two weeks ago, a fan ran on the field. Ran the base. It was a kid. Looked like what, fifteen-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. Ran the bases and then hopped back up to his seat, untouched. Wow. That doesn't surprise me. I we had two fans run on the field in one day when I was there in nineteen, and Jeff Nelson caught one of them, the umpire, and suplexed him. And I was like, <laughs> damn. 
you know, Jeff, no, you, you guys know, you guys know Jeff. He doesn't say very mm-hmm. much, and it was kind of like he just tucked his shirt back in and went about his day. Called bad balls and strikes, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what what happened this past weekend? Did went after? No one likes it, but now they've won six in a row, and they're even beating Tampa Bay too. Did did you go in the clubhouse and be like, "Well, you're all getting DFA'd"? No, because I was one of those guys. You can't really say that when you when you kind of were leading the charge for that. Were the guys I mean, ejected or like Lowe said, I would have just walked in, crack a joke, be like, fuck it, let's go. A lot of guys were like, you know, it, it was a little somber in there, but I was like, dude, Seabiscuit wins sometimes, you know. Fuck. <laughs> That's a great you know, like It shit just happens, man. Sometimes it's just... It's just not. It's just not your day. It's not in the cards. I mean, I think they've won six straight something now. So it's like, it it, it just it happens. It's part of the game, you know. You look at teams that win a hundred and something games a year and they lose the first three games of the playoffs and they're out. You know, it's just shit. It happens, man. You know, you know those guys have played long enough. AJ and Low, you guys played long enough and been on some stretches where you guys are beating everybody. And then there's been some stretches where the worst team in baseball comes into town and. You know, they no-hit you or they they be sweep you and you just sitting there and you're like, all right, well, that wasn't in the cards, but fuck it. We got 100 more. Brody, you have to understand, Scott didn't play. I don't know if you know this or not, but Scott never played baseball. So he <laughs> No, just... but he – yeah, so, like, Scott is – I when I when I talk about like, – that's why I said you guys, and then I said the two names of the guys that played. Yeah, he did address uh, you. He knows. <laughs> and, you know, Scott's like one of those guys. He's like the new wave that um, baseball is really easy from behind the screen. And we should be really good at it because when he played on the video game, he played really easy and, and you were good. But, um, no, he, he goes in the gym. He does his biceps, puts on a jersey every now and then and, you know, goes in his room, shuts his door and pretends he's Ken Griffey. But in reality, Scott Braun. And it works. So, it works. He's and on, he's down the street. Yeah, he was on rookie level. So yeah, yeah, beginner, easy. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't mean, it's even like, good at baseball like, video games. He plays on the level of the pitchers that you face, AJ. Everybody's on eighty-seven, right in your bat speed, and the game's <laughs> hard. So. Uh, Actually, Roddy, there was a great line <laughs> when we had oh, when we had Pete Alonso on. Somehow it came up like, "Oh, who would you want to face?" We I could ask you this too, like, "Who would you want to face all time?" And someone on our show was like Babe Ruth, and Pete's like. Babe Ruth probably threw dumpy 82-mile-an-hour cutters. She's like, screw that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I, anybody that AJ faced that he had a career out of, it's probably somebody that will line up right to me. Matt Harvey? <laughs> Who? Matt Harvey? I mean, okay, we're not talking about the back half. I will give you some props. You played for Roy 17 Holiday? years. Or Pedro? Those are guys that hit well. Are they, are they bad? Yeah, like those. See, there was like three of those floating around. You got Roger Clemens, good one, nice. Um, Randy Johnson, Richland, cool. You had you had five. We have like three of those in a rotation everywhere we go. Oh, here we go. <laughs> you guys are so much better. We are. You guys are so much better now. Dude, the fact that you don't even have to be in shape to play baseball just shows like how easy it was back then. <laughs> I'm just gonna. Uh, yeah, I'm. Not, I'm just gonna say kettle. Meet the pot, dude. I didn't say it was. I didn't say I was in shape. I was just saying like how often guys weren't in shape back then. Oh. 
Well, oh. drop the mic, Roddy. We got we, we got to let you jump. I already broke one bobblehead today. If I had one of you, oh yeah. wait, you don't have one. No. Never mind. Well, good luck on on the yeah. AJ statue out there. Um, tell the guys they're doing yeah, a they're great job right now. Yeah, they were just putting it up, and then they threw it in the waste management dumpster because they just figured it was fucking nobody wants it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, you are something else. Let me uh, tell you. Uh, <laughs> hey man, hey AJ, I want to AJ. In all seriousness, AJ, I do, I do respect your career and everything you've done, and I just like to talk shit because you do like to talk shit, and I've heard a lot of a lot of stories about how much hell you gave young guys, and I kind of want that. I want to see what that's like. Rowdy, listen, dude, it doesn't bother me. I promise you, <laughs> I just laugh. It, I, there's nothing. There ain't nothing you can say that my wife ain't already said to me, okay? So trust me, it's, it's all good. <laughs> I will laugh, and I don't get mad. And it, the game needs more of this. Yeah, I agree. This yeah. is what can I, I share love. your I bank account it. like your wife does then? Uh, no. There's only one of those per family, because if I had two of them, I'd have to move in with Scott instead of Scott moving in with me. <laughs> I got a Scott good lives in a one-bedroom. No, it's a two now. A two. I upgraded. You upgraded yeah. just for me. Yeah, Orlando is a lot cheaper than New York City. Hey, was oh, that yelling? <laughs> yeah, yelling, start yeah. hitting some homers. <laughs> he did yesterday, two days ago. Did he? Two days ago. Yeah, we lost those still. Uh, All right, well, go get him tonight, Rowdy. Go do your thing, man. Good to catch up. We'll get you again in a few weeks. All right, we'll see y'all. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks, Cheers. Rowdy. All right, Rowdy. Chandler Rome from The Athletic joining us right now to talk all about the Astros. And also, Chandler, I know and you've done a great job covering this team for a long time. Congratulations on, on it's been, what, a couple months on the new gig. Um, I'm pleased about because I think with the Chronicle, no, I don't think I, I could get all the articles because I wasn't on some premium thing. It's way easier for me. I'll be all streamlined on the spot where I'm reading everything. So congrats. And how you doing, man? Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Of course. A lot to talk about. So let, let's start with the injury report because we actually don't go all over injuries because you could just spend hours on that every day. But the Astros are fascinating first in that they're missing key parts and th there's more piling on right now, even though they're playing well. And then the second layer of this, which these guys find fascinating, is how the Astros handle publicity of injuries versus the other 29 teams. Oh, I could talk for days. I could talk for days. About that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get me don't get me started. Start. <laughs> no, Chandler, Scott just asked where Asa Lacey is. Where the hell is Michael Brantley? Because when I, I did an Astros game all long ago and nobody knew where Michael Brantley was, but his law had a locker in the clubhouse. And he nobody was like, Where's Michael Brantley? Well, he's got a locker here with stuff in it. HIPAA, HIPAA. Yeah, that was a fun time when a PR representative told us Michael Brantley left we were at Angel Stadium and they said Michael Brantley left the team. And we asked why. No one would tell us. We asked where he went, and no one seemed to know. Uh, this is a guy you gave $12 million to in the offseason with uh, incentives that could have gotten him up to $16 million. I would, I would expect that someone may have known, like, where he went. Uh, we still don't know. We presume he went back to Houston, but that was when uh, he suffered a setback in his shoulder, uh, his recovery from shoulder surgery. The, the news is actually kind of promising on him, uh, given you believe what the Astros say. Um, he is hitting off of a tee now. He's been taking some infield, some ground balls. He's throwing on the field. He's progressing uh, probably better than anyone else they have injured right now. And, you know, that's a spot where if they can get him back for any length of time this year, uh, they need some balance in their lineup. They need a left-handed bat, another left-handed bat to kind of balance that lineup out. It's getting too right-handed toward the bottom. And, um, you know, look, even if Michael Brantley's a little bit compromised, I mean, having watched this dude for – 
three, four years. It feels like even with one arm, he could probably roll out of bed and hit 270. He's just that talented and he's that good of a hitter, probably one of the more underrated hitters in baseball, underrated players in baseball. Uh, but if they can get him back in any capacity to where he can contribute to this offense, it would really, maybe not from a power uh, situation, but it would really help this offense be able to kind of string some innings together, string some at-bats together, and kind of keep the line moving a little bit. Yeah, you talk about offense right now. I want to talk about the pitching. How do they keep developing the pitchers that keep going out there? You know, somebody gets hurt, somebody else comes back in, and it just seems like they just keep rolling. The guys are ready to go back and forth. It doesn't matter who it is. How, how do they keep developing the pitching so well? It's a testament to their player development pipeline. It's a testament to the kind of the infrastructure of the pitching uh the pitching development. I think one thing that really does kind of go under talked about is the two pitching coaches at the major league level are Josh Miller and Bill Murphy. Both of those guys have been in the organization since they've kind of grown as into major league coaches from the minor league levels. So a lot of these guys have been with, in the case of some of their Latino pitchers, since the first day they stepped on American soil, Bill Murphy's been with some of these guys. Um, from other guys that were drafted, it's the first day they got to the Florida Complex League that Josh Miller was there with them. So I think that continuity really, really helps out that they're not coming in here and bringing outside voices in. They're not coming in and changing much. That continuity has been really helpful. And honestly, so is Martin Maldonado behind the plate. Um, you look at two of their starters right now that are filling in and JP France and Brandon Belak. Um, you know, if you look at their FIPS, if you look at their hits per nine, if you look at kind of all the underlying metrics, it really suggests that they should have higher ERAs than they do. But I think one of the reasons they don't is Martin Maldonado has done a phenomenal job of finding, of getting their pitch usage and their pitch sequencing a lot better. Both guys are using their changeups a lot more. Belak especially is throwing that changeup inside to righties. He's not afraid to go right on right changeup when he has to. Uh, JP France came up, really liked his cutter a lot. And I think the Astros have kind of, at the major league level, have kind of told him, you know, that may not be the best pitch to play at the major league level. Like, Let's try your changeup. He's gone to his curveball a little bit more. I think there's been a lot of adjusting based on, you know, one time through the order, how teams are reading kind of what they're doing. So I think the continuity of the coaching from, you know, the depths of the organization up and having Martin Maldonado back there is just invaluable. Yeah, you talk about adjusting, and Jose Abreu is a guy I played with with the White Sox. He came over here, struggled in the beginning. I got to be honest with you. He was my pretty much my pick to click this year to be – MVP to break all these numbers. I know he just had his, what, 1,500 hit. And um, after this, I know he's getting hot now. Uh, I also said he was going to lead the league in home runs, at least the American League. So There you go. That's what I wanted to I, I wasn't done, AJ. As usual, AJ's got to interrupt like usual instead of being uh, quiet. And uh, for me, he's taking off now. Do you think he's one guy they're going to lean on a lot more now, especially with how they're playing? They're going to have to. He's going to have to turn into the sort of threat they thought he would be when they signed him. And there are signs that things are, are going a little bit better. He's got four multi-hit games in his last five outings. He had eight total multi-hit games in his last 60 preceding it. Um, he's hitting the ball on the line a lot more. His average exit velo on 33 balls in play in June has been 93 miles an hour. He was never over 88 in either April or May. So he's hitting the ball harder. He's hitting the ball on the line. He's not chasing, to, to my eye at least, he's not chasing near as much as he did early in the season. And, and you know, he said something yesterday that, that I think we may forget when we're watching, you know, 
this kind of stuff happen. You know, he, he mentioned, you know, it takes a while to get adjusted to a new clubhouse, to new procedures, to new teammates, to new ways of doing things. I mean, this guy was in Chicago for 10 years and he got really set in how they do things and kind of that team dynamic. And look, the Astros have welcomed Abreu with open arms. He, there was, I can't even emphasize enough how much respect the, the team has for Jose Abreu, the teammates, his new teammates. Um, it, it's pretty incredible just given that he's only been there, you know, three or four months. But um, it took a, I, I think it took a little bit of adjustment for him coming, uh, coming into a new place, being a guy that, look, like it or not, because the Astros don't do a ton of free agent deals, they don't do big free agent deals. Jose Abreu's three-year, $58.5 million free agent deal is the second biggest free agent deal ever given in Jim Crane's ownership tenure. So like it or not, that puts the magnif- that puts the microscope on him a lot more because this is something that this team doesn't do normally. This is some, they, they went out of their comfort zone to do this. So he's going to be scrutinized uh, a, a good bit more. And I, I think now certainly with Jordan Alvarez out of the lineup, that he has got to turn back into a run producer. He's got to keep hitting the ball on the line. Uh, his timing looks a lot better. He looks more comfortable now. The Astros just have to hope that that continues and it can come in bunches because they've touted the back of this guy's baseball card the entire three months he's been here. I think he got in too far of a rut to get back to maybe his career slash line this season. But the Astros don't really need that. They just need him to turn back into a league average hitter. And I think that would really, really bolster their lineup, make it longer, and give them some right-handed presence that they need. Chandler, you stoked my interest now. Who's who's the largest contract, the Astros? Free agent? Josh Reddick. Josh Reddick. Oh. I never would have, in a million years, I never would have guessed that. Yeah. Um, that's the longest. I believe – actually, now that, I'm, now that you got me thinking about it, I believe Abreu's was the most money, but Reddick got four years and uh, Abreu got three. So, yeah, that's the, that's the longest – it's the long, it's so, longest and second longest free agent deals in Crane's ownership tenure. Abreu was – the largest money though, because Reddick didn't get four years over. What Reddick got? I believe Reddick got four for fifty-two. Okay. Without that's looking at it, that's about right. Yeah, yeah. That's and Abreu got okay. three. Yeah, and Abreu, and Abreu got three for fifty-eight and a half. Isn't that a crazy though? That the largest—that's the largest contract. As a White Sox fan, Ben Attendee five for seventy-five, the largest contract they've ever given somebody. But at least the Astros signed their own guys to big contracts. Right. They, they, they build their team through trades and through contract extensions. And, you know, Jordan Alvarez got a six-year $115 million extension. Alex Bregman got a $100 million extension. Uh, Jose Altuve has signed two extensions. And if you believe what he said in spring training this offseason, wants to sign a third one. Uh, Lance McCullers Jr. got a, 80, uh, a, a $85 million extension. So um, it, the, the narrative that they don't spend money is not true. Um, they, just, they just don't do it on the free agent market. They, they would prefer to do it, you know, Jim Crane took on Zach Grinke's massive contract in 2019 via a trade. Uh, you know, they gave Justin Verlander a, an $86 million extension uh, in 2019. So they just do it differently. They, they prefer trades. They prefer, um, they prefer contra- extending their, their young guys. But you kind of wonder how much longer that they can keep doing that, especially with, you know, their lack of draft capital. They haven't had a first or second round draft pick uh they didn't for the last two years uh, in 21 and 22 because of the sign stealing scandal. They've graduated a lot of very good prospects. Their farm system's pretty thin right now. So they may have to be more active in free agency uh, going forward under first year GM Dana Brown. So perfect lead in there. You said about the sign stealing real quick answer. Cause then I have a longer question. 
Should we? Should people stop booing them for the sign stealing? Like, has it been? Has it been long enough? I, I, I mean, they're booing laundry at this point, right? Like, I, I thought one of the, I thought one of the worst, I thought one of just kind of the saddest signs of it all was, you know, twenty twenty one when they had let fans back in the stands. It was after twenty twenty. Kid named Alex Degoti comes up. He was a COVID call up. They had like a, a rash of COVID positives. Alex Degoti, I think he's taken three or four at bats in the big leagues. Gets his first big league hit in Seattle at T-Mobile Park. I think it was a stand-up double. And they just showered this kid with booze. And this kid was in, like, low A in 2017. <laughs> like, Jordan, Al- Jordan Alvarez was a Dodger in 2017. Uh, or in the Dodgers farm system, excuse me. Um, you know, Kyle Tucker was in low A. I mean, Hunter Brown got booed at the Futures game a couple of uh, years ago at Dodger Stadium. He was at Wayne State. Uh, when when the Astros were, were doing this. And then, look, it, it has become, you know, booing laundry at this point. I guess I'm never going to tell fans how to feel. Uh, but I, I can tell you this, you know, I think them winning the World Series last year, those, though some of them will never say it publicly, I think that was the last thing a lot of these guys needed to just let go of it, to not really – I don't think they ever really cared what people thought about them before. But now that they've won one since 2017, I, I think that's really allowed them to take a deep breath and, and just really kind of be more loose, be more carefree, because they needed it. They needed to win another one after 2017. Yeah, I, I, I think they should have cared. That was, uh, that was a big thing that went down for sure in 2017. That's tough. I think it comes with the, the territory for sure. If you play for the Astros, that's going to be something going on probably for, for a long, long time. Um, if I'm a fan, you know, maybe I would hold on to it too. But for me, let me lead into this. Lance McCullers, you think he'll uh, he'll ever get back on the field this year? Well, Todd, I do want to say one thing. Like, I, I saying all that, I do believe, like, the Astros, they, they've lost all benefit of the doubt. Like, they did that to themselves. And that's something that they're, no, they're probably never going to get back just because of, of, of how this, this, this all went down. But, you know, as far as McCullers, uh, the Astros are expected to announce an update on him later today, all signs point toward it not being good. Um, you know, this is a guy that he's already had Tommy John surgery once in November of 2018. Uh, he suffered a what he described as a small forearm strain during a bullpen session in February. He got back up to throwing – he was throwing 30-pitch bullpens at Minute Maid Park, was up to 94 miles an hour. And then about a month ago, suffered another setback. They sent him for an MRI on Friday. Uh, we still have not learned the results of that MRI, but the Astros are expected to announce something later on this afternoon. And you can kind of put two and two together when, when, you, when you have an MRI on a Friday and you don't hear anything until a Wednesday and there's an announcement being prepared. It, it just doesn't – I don't know what it is, but it, all signs point to it not being, not being good. What you finish finish my statement. This year's a failure for the Astros if they don't make the World Series. And that's just the standard that they've set for themselves. They've gone to the American League Championship Series six straight years. Um, the bar is very, very high. And you know, you look at the window of of contention that they have, you know, they've got Jose Altuve for two more years. They've got Alex Bregman for two more years. Um, you can kind of look at the window and kind of see where um, things will start to diminish a little bit. I just mentioned their, their lack of maybe top-end prospect talent so far. 
um, what the what the sanctions from the sign stealing scandal have done to their farm system, what the graduation of young prospects has done to their farm system. Um, it, it you know they are in they are in win now mode, and they have given them they have put themselves in such a position where they enter the season, and if you don't at least have a legitimate shot at winning the World Series, that, that's a failure. And, you know, they, they've set themselves up with the way that they have, you know, gone about their business with kind of how they've marketed and kind of how they've, you know, put themselves out there that this is a World Series or bus team. And, you know, they are running into a lot of things this year that they didn't run into last year. They stayed unbelievably healthy last year. I think there was only three teams that had less time on the IL than the Astros did last year. And, you know, they were able to have all their starters basically never miss a turn in the rotation. They were able to keep their bullpen fresh. And that's what led them to a World Series. That, that's not happening this year. They, they, they're going to be without Jordan Alvarez for about a month. They were just without Jose Altuve for a month and a half to start the season. You don't know if Michael Brantley's coming back. Um, this, is a, this is some trials and tribulations that they have not encountered in the last couple of years. But that shouldn't change the overall goal every year when you enter, especially with this era that they're in, is to be a legitimate World Series contender and to reach the World Series. So do you see them making more major moves at the trade deadline because they might have more holes to fill than just, uh, we need a starting slash backup catcher? Well, I think they need to, but as I've kind of alluded to, I don't know how much prospect capital and ammunition they have to go make these huge splash deals. You know, the one thing you can say about Jim Crane is every year that this team has been in contention, he has really pushed the envelope at the trade deadline. You know, they got Justin Verlander uh, in 2017. They got Zach Grinke in 2019. But you look at those trade packages, there's a lot of first-round picks in there. There's a lot of second-round picks in there. There's a lot of high-round picks. And some of them didn't even pan out for the teams that they went to. But nevertheless, that's the kind of return that they're going that these teams are going to want. And I do wonder with the – and, you know, when they acquired Verlander and when they acquired Grinky, that was when their farm system was universally thought of as a top-five farm system in baseball. Now it's you, – you look at the outside publications that rank these things, now it's kind of universally thought of as a bottom-half farm system in baseball. So I do wonder, do they have enough ammunition? Because I, I think they're going to need a veteran starting pitcher, and I think Dana Brown has been very vocal that they're going to need a bat because, you know, he sees the same record that I do. They are 34-7 and seven this year when they score four or more runs in a game. Because for all the problems that we've talked about, for all – you know, they, they're missing two starters for – almost the whole season, you know, the, the, the offense has been up and down. Like they still lead the league in ERA. Like they're going to pitch. They're going to pitch the hell out of the ball. It's just, they've got to get enough run support. And then that, that stat I think says it all. When you're 34 and seven, when you score four more runs, I think you got to find a bat to come in here and give you some thump. And, you know, maybe Jose Abreu keeps on this trajectory and he renders that, you know, meaningless. Maybe he, Maybe he has the month of his life between now and August 1st, and they don't need to go get a bat. But I think when you start looking at everything, I think they do need a bat and they need a veteran starting pitcher. Do they have the prospect capital to pull both of those things off? I'm not so sure. Yeah, penalized for the sign stealing hurts with building your farm system and then also just competing every year obviously hurts. And that's why I give them a lot of credit. Like right now, they're in D.C. Look at the Nationals since those two teams met in 2019 and look at the Astros. Like they just don't falter, which – 
I want to know from you, because you mentioned, hey, I give credit to Jim Crane. They go for it at the deadline. I have probably like you, very low bar for owners in MLB based on how most of them act, as we talked a lot about the A's today. I have to give credit just on how he has run a team from a transactional standard, Jim Crane. So he, at times, at least from what I've read, seems like a bit of a helicopter owner as well, which I talk about some of those owners like Artie Moreno, who's done a really, really poor job uh, with the Angels and how he has taken control and sometimes made signings on his own. I mean, I was there for all of it last year in the playoffs. Like the James Click situation was like crazy and awkward and you knew he was going to be gone if you were really smart and talking to the right people. And look at this team, just keep trucking along. So is this a helicopter owner that actually knows what the hell he's doing? You know, Jim Crane pitched in college. He was a, he was a, he was a college baseball player, four-year letter winner. I believe he still holds, I, I don't want to get his school wrong. I think it's central Missouri. I think he still holds their all-time either strikeout record or wins record. I, I, I need to matter. fact check. Oh, I need to fact check one. Well, you're right. You're correct, AJ. Wins do not matter. But in Jim Crane's time, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, look, he, he played the game at a high level. Um, I, I think he knows more baseball than most owners. I think he is more invested in the day-to-day, what goes on, maybe more than some other owners. Um, I think you, you put it perfectly there. It can manifest itself in many different ways, you know. If you, I wasn't here for the Justin Verlander trade. I wasn't covering the team at the time. But if you read reporting from then, you know, it was Jim Crane that pushed that thing over the line. Same thing with Zach Greinke. He, if you reading the reporting back then, you know, he, I believe it was Josh Rojas. He, he like basically, I think the hang up was including Josh Rojas in the deal. And Jim Crane basically told Jeff Lunum, put him in there. I don't care. I'll take them. I'll take the money on. So this is a situation where like he wants to win. And I think that's something that all of his people that he works for, the people that work for him, the players he employs, that is a sent, that is a universal sentiment that this guy loves to win. He is a he loves to watch the team win. He will put them in a position to do that. Now, it can sometimes manifest itself in the way that the James Click situation was handled, which I, I think anyone that was around it can can agree that that was probably not. I mean, look, he's the owner of the team. He can do what he wants, and he did what he wants. He, he got he got rid of him and got to put a new guy in place. But I, I just think from a from a public relations perspective, it probably wasn't handled as tactfully as it could have been. Um, but, you know, I, I do think this is a guy that, you know, he has said before that he'd be willing to go over the competitive balance tax if there is a, if there is a clear need to and if they are in a position to win. He did that when they – took on Zach Grinke's deal in 2019. Would he do that this time around? They're pretty comfortably uh, – I need to look at the payroll to be exactly sure, but they're they're well under that CBT. Because I just mentioned, they don't have a ton of prospect capital. Would Jim Crane be willing to take on a bigger contract to kind of mask that, to, to not have to include a, a, a ton of prospects that they don't have? He may be forced to if they need to make big deals at this deadline. And one thing about Jim Crane, you know, you can look – at the at the complete um, at the complete trajectory of his ownership tenure, he has never been one to stand pat at the deadline when this team has a chance to win. When this team is in legitimate contention, I think the last time this team in a 162 game season, the last time they stood pat at the deadline, I believe was 2016. They were way, they were 
out of the division race. They, they underperformed basically all year and they stood pat. Um, every, every year since then, they've been very active. You know, every year it hasn't been a Verlander splash or a Grinky splash, but in 2022, it was making four trades to remake the bullpen under James, under James, in 2021, excuse me, was to make four trades to, to bolster the bullpen. You know, last year it was getting Trey Mancini. It was getting Christian Vasquez and, you know, maybe in a sign that Jim Crane to show how involved he is. James Click had a deal in place with the Chicago Cubs to acquire Wilson Contreras in exchange for Jose Urquidy and Jim Crane vetoed it. So, there's a lot of hands and a lot of cooks in the kitchen, if you will. And, you know, Jim Crane has been very successful just in wins and losses and championships and banners hung and tickets sold and merch, uh, merchandise purchased. He's been very, very good at all of those things. And I think the one thing you have to ask for as a fan for your owner is for them to be invested in a team winning. And I don't think anyone can question Jim Crane is, is very invested in that. Chandler, have you read Evan Drellick's book? I have. It was it was excellent. Jim, it was great. But Jim Crane does not come all across as anything <laughs> you just said in that book. Yeah, but winning. No, winning. He, at all but he was No, but he was winning under a business budget. Kind of what Chandler's talking about in that book. Lunau was the perfect guy to come in and do it. And I mean, listen, Lunau did what he did. He, and in that book, he comes across a complete asshole. But he knew something because, look. The guys he drafted, developed, whatever he did, Bragman, Altuve, made trades for, Alvarez, all these dudes, they're the core of the team. Framber Valdez, Urquidy, Garcia, right? They're all the core of Lunau's little whatever he did. So I hear what you're saying about Jim Crane wanting to win, but, man, it's interesting that that book came out. You read it, you're like, man, these guys makes them not look good, but – they did something right. I, I guess, you know, AJ, I, I don't disagree with you. He came off – no one in that book came off looking good. And Evan Evan did a phenomenal job. Evan's a close friend of mine now. I'm grateful to call him a coworker now. And, you know, he preceded me at the Houston Chronicle and set the standard for how to cover this team. And uh, I, I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, but my I guess what I was getting at is I guess what do fans – when, when you're when this is a show for fans, I would think like how are fans going to judge an owner? And I think fans judge owners by is their team in contention to win, and is every year the owner giving the resources needed for a team to achieve its highest goal? And I think Jim Crane, like him or loathe him, I think he does both of those things. And, and look, there are some things that I don't even know about that go on under the hood that you know that that probably rub people the wrong way that uh, and you know evan's book does a great job of spelling that out you know jim crane is not perfect he is not perfect he's not a he's not this this is not a situation where i don't think any everyone should bow down to him and kiss his feet and that sort of thing this is not a perfect setup you saw it by the way that he allowed a cheating scandal to fester under his own watch for for you didn't get the cheat codes you didn't get the codes to the computer you didn't get they didn't, uh, when you sign up to be the Astros beat writer. They don't give you the codes to log into what was it called the computer program? Uh, code they had? breaker was that code breaker? Yeah, remember code they breaker. all logged in because all the Cardinals they stole all the Cardinals people. Oh no, that was oh different. that was they the stole car- all the Cardinals the- people and then they kept the codes the passwords the same. So the guy in St. Louis remember? Change your passwords. People. Logged in. So that they don't give you that. Jail. That- 
that guy's still in jail, so I'm happy I don't have him because I'd rather be sitting here talking to you guys in jail? Than, yeah. than doing 10 to 15. <laughs> yeah, that, it was crazy. That's a good, it was But he, remember that? Like, he, yes. they all brought all the guys from St. Louis. Some of them didn't change the passcode, so the guy yeah, logged act. in and they had all the, all the information. Oh, yeah, dude. That, that's crazy that was deep there's a lot of good drama read the book chandler great to talk to you man we appreciate it enjoy the ride out there and we'd love to have you back sometime thanks guys maybe we could talk about hipaa laws the next time i'm on here oh my gosh oh, wait, i really man. would love to yes wait really quick wait we really can't quick. we can't find out about alvarez because of hipaa that's why wait, he's got a did he have I mri yeah hipaa i follow chandler's play by play of tweets sometimes because the, the dusty combos about injuries which i think sometimes dusty just really doesn't know but but he's like hipaa no mri <laughs> it's like look everyone else I, i'll say this i'll say this i have the utmost respect for dusty baker this mm -hmm. this is not on him this is not this is not on him. This is on people way above him. But this is the but the HIPAA stuff is fine. Like I Dusty does a lot of stuff in his spare time. He's a well read, well learned man. I don't know if he I don't know if he knows no if he found like a loophole in HIPAA that I don't know about that he's using against me or using against us. <laughs> Maybe he'll teach me about it. But yeah, it's been that's been, it's been pretty fun. Yeah. Follow Chandler yeah. for more. That exactly. Chandler, thank you very much, dude. All right, thanks, guys.